Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to each and every one of you to this edition of the Michelle Mission, where we will sit and review from 1994 Drop Squad, starring Bondi Curtis Hall, Ving Rames, Eric LaSalle, Cassie Lemons. The film that was written. I believe, as I look here at my notes, by David C. Johnson and produced by Spike Lee. Vincent's choice for this stop on the Michelle Mission. It is indeed. Yes. But first, as always, we turn to you (laughs) and bring you all of the things that are going on in the world. Um, We How you doing over there, Lynn? how you fine. doing over there? I'm fine. All right. I'm fine. We start today, uh, usually with listener mail, but today we start our show off, unfortunately, on a sad note. Yeah, yeah. As we gather together to remember Michael K. Williams. Yeah. Uh, indeed, a favorite here on the Michelle Mission, who passed away just yesterday. Um, at the uh, so young, fifty four. Yeah, 54, yeah, fifty four, fifty four. Uh, found um, dead in his Brooklyn uh, home. Most famously, Michael K. Williams is known for his role as Omar. Mm-hmm. Of course, in of course. Wire. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But there are some people who may remember him from uh, his TV series Happy. And Leonard mm-hmm. um, from copious um, movie roles that he had, that he has uh, appeared in, and he was a favorite of HBO. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about that? Uh, along with appearing as Omar mm-hmm. in The Wire, he also had prominent roles on Boardwalk Empire. Yes, sir. Chalky White. Yes, and even more recently on Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Yeah. The, Vincent, what have you to say of Michael K. Williams? I, I look, I have nothing to add that hasn't been been said. As, as you start out, I think Omar is one of the most iconic figures in popular culture, mm-hmm. certainly over the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. You know, if you did a list of pop culture icons. I think Omar comes up as as someone who was in a stellar cast. Oh yeah. For him to stand out, right, the way that 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 he did. I, I saw someone write about just how radical Omar was as as a loving gay man mm-hmm. in the midst of the chaos of mm-hmm. the wire mm-hmm. as someone in in a, a show about criminals. Yeah, on both sides of the law, he was more of an outlaw. Yes. So, so certainly you can't say enough about Omar. A but bit of a vigilante, if you will. A bit perhaps. of a vigilante, if you will. And and again, as much as I love Omar and, and and celebrate Omar, I was a big big fan of Chalky White. I in, was in too. Boardwalk Empire, and this mm-hmm. man who was just trying to make a way as a black man and as an entrepreneur, frankly, mm. 
using what little tools were afforded a man of his stature mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and just sort of morally nebulous balancing family life balancing his business life balancing just trying to be a black man in the early part of the 20th century i, I think chalky white was an extraordinary character and then certainly in lovecraft country yeah which the the dearly departed lovecraft country his role but i, I will say this i think everyone who came in contact with him speaks of his kindness mm-hmm. and speaks of him as a man i've, I've mentioned before Baltimore is a small town. Yeah. Baltimore is a, is a very small city. And, and I've talked before about being in Baltimore during the years that homicide was, was being filmed. So it was like, you would always run into people from homicide just in the city. And I have memories of Yafet Koto and Andre Brower in particular, and being real, like real solid dudes. Mm-hmm. And I had moved to Philadelphia by the time the wire started, but similarly, the word from Baltimore was about two cast members. It was, you know, Andre Ro- Royo. Royo. Royo, yeah. who played Bubs. Mm-hmm. And Michael K. Williams. Yep. Like, everyone in Baltimore during that period talked about running into Michael K. Williams and how he was just a good dude. So yeah. it's, 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 just, it's, just a, it's just a real shame. He, I posted this in our Facebook group. Um, he just recently as recently as february of this year mm-hmm. sat for an interview with mark Marin on his podcast wtf mm-hmm. which was a very very well it was a very entertaining very enlightening you know now it's a little sadly poignant mm-hmm. uh, interview but the two of them both uh they connected in their battles with addiction Mm-hmm. Over the years, um, Mark Marin had himself speaks very openly about being sober from drugs and and alcohol now for over twenty years. And Michael K. Williams is talking in the interview, you know, about how be- openly he is about you know the moments when he had unfortunately did relapse, mm-hmm. you know, even at one time during the filming of The Wire. Sure, you know. Um, but he also talks about how, and, and what what makes it sad is like he sounds like he's he. It, it's a great interview because it doesn't sound sad at all. He talks about how he he loves cooking mm-hmm. and he watches uh, Rachel Ray every day to learn a new um, recipe. He was actually cooking while they were interviewing. He had like tells. Mark, like, you know, hold on, hold on. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. And Mark's like, oh, I'm not hanging up. I'm going to be doing it because he has to go turn off the stove. He's sure. cooking. Sure. Um, but he talks about that. He actually talks about Andre Roya and about him and he and Michael and Sonia's son from The Wire as well. Yes. And very recently on Star Trek uh, Discovery. Yes, sir. Um, about how they want to kind of like try and put some something together he talks about his love of theater and and plans with someone else about trying to get like a traveling theater thing going and right. and, and he has all of these plans and he, he sounds like a, a a guy who was being it's very active um being very productive um also because of the demons that he fights and the battles that he that he is fought mm-hmm. a man that is 
appreciative of where he is and even more to the point appreciative of the day just like this day like sure you know sure it's a really great interview i invite you to listen to it it's really dope like i said i put the link in the facebook group as sad as i was for his passing Mm -hmm. you know just because of what he means to hollywood in in general as an as an actor and to see him on screen usually is a sign of someone who's very committed and quality that he's going to bring to whatever role Mm -hmm. he's doing hearing that interview just made me even more more like wow he's just sure really dope dude sure Um, and 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 i will say this obviously we don't know the details of what led to his death but i don't think it is out of the ordinary or 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 an extreme read to say that this past year has been challenging for mm-hmm. all of us yeah for all of us and and i would submit to everyone listening that that don't discount the collective trauma mm-hmm. that we are all dealing with I, I think you know in my house we try to be very cognizant of the fact that we are in the midst of challenging times mm-hmm. and don't just because you're you're sort of functioning just because you you kind of go day by day and you go to work and and however you go to school d- be very aware that we are living in times that you have to take care of yourself you, you have yeah. to again be very cognizant of your own mental health and, mm-hmm. and where you are and and you know folks if if you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. Yeah. And, and, and it's, 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 I, 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 I suspect years from now, we are all going to look back at this. It's, it's, I'm not trying, I'm not going to go down this road too far, but we're, we're starting to get the 20 year anniversary mm-hmm. of nine 11 mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think what's fascinating about the little bit that I've read and a little bit that I've seen is this sense of none of us really dealt like, like, like we didn't deal with it then. Like that was something that was almost ongoing and, and arguably 20 years later, those of us that were old enough to remember still haven't quite worked our way through it. Mm -hmm. And we're in the midst of that right now. Yeah. It's just long. So, so it's it's a shame it's 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 a tragedy and and you know he'll be missed he certainly you, will. you know he'll be missed certainly well let's uh vincent segue over to listener mail now. yes yes because missives from the missionaries yes and we will start with one from azia taylor hey what's up azia i haven't heard from her for in a while hi len and vince if you're doing remixes of old shows uh-oh as we talked about last week you absolutely must include the world the flesh and the devil oh why must we remix yeah, that i thought we actually <laughs> Because we both sided on like we liked it. Did both of us side on we liked it? I thought we did. Oh, I don't know if both of us. I, I, well, I, I don't. I think thought we did. I did. No, did I don't. you not like no, it? No, I didn't. <laughs> what are we in 1984 now? <laughs> We're at war of Europa. We've always been at war of Europa. 
I no, I seriously thought that no, I enjoyed no, the, the no, no. I didn't. This was before this was before the joining of the houses <laughs> of House Webb and House Belafonte. While there is peace in the land now <laughs> between these two great houses. Right. There right. was a time really in the era of Michelle. Then what? That there was open warfare. Then what was the movie that turned it around for? Was it um, Buck and the Preacher? You really enjoyed Buck and the Preacher. You really, really enjoyed him in Buck and the Preacher. And I know you circled back and watched it again. And and since then, you've talked about it. Okay, maybe. But at that moment, I mean, that's that's, that's the beauty and the danger (laughs) of the episodes. We kind of talk about that. Like, we're out far enough that you go back and you listen to things. And, and you know, for every time we say, you know, you should keep an eye on Tiana Parrish. Right. This is somebody that is going to be big. There's me saying that Little was going to be the breakout hit of 2019. Wow, did you say that? I 100% <laughs> did. So, time tells all tales. I'm always betting on Marseille Martin. So, oh, that's a safe yeah. bet. Well, that was a wrong bet, though. It yeah, was not the breakout. Was the wrong it was not the breakout hit of yeah, 2019 yeah, that I thought not. it would be. It is not. You know, if streaming is if streaming was what it is now, mm-hmm. what it then mm-hmm. it would because it would have streamed. It would have streamed. There's a then, movie that, and then it would have right. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so I guess we need to do <laughs> the world, the flesh, and the devil because I don't remember. Now you don't even remember. So right, so it'll be interesting. Right. I won't even listen to it again right. until we we, we it. actually had an an excruci- excruciatingly long conversation about sweat. Did we in that? Yes. <laughs> ah, I gotta listen. To yeah, that. yeah, about sweat. Harry Belafonte in sweat. Real? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. oh yeah you put it all out your mind didn't you <laughs> the north remembers <sighs> it's always me anyway <laughs> that's the thing that's the shame of it it's always me um azia she also recommends that it would also be nice to hear a re-review of get out without any other contributors and that might mm. be a good one because as much as i do I, I i enjoyed our episode reviewing get out but it was i think it was like four or five people it is and it is actually one of my favorite episodes really yes yeah you there's a point in that episode where if you turn the volume up you can hear me changing my mind like you can hear the wheels go off in my mind changing your mind about the movie changing my mind about the movie and I, i've said this before ariel ariel our dear friend ariel um johnson johnson of amalgam comics says something in that episode that we say in my house all the time so that episode is like what three years ago yeah <laughs> ariel talked about black women breathing life into Indeed. black men's foolishness yes has become part of the lexicon of my house. <laughs> Whether it's me or my son or someone we know, like something will happen and Wendy will say, what's that Ariel said? 
about black women always breathing life into black men's foolishness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so see, but something like that, then it doesn't sound like it. Do we really need to re-review it? I mean, you know. You know, if anything, it probably needs to be replayed. Like maybe one day when we the we take thing a week that off. I really like about, in my mind, that episode is the platonic ideal of what you always argue. Like I'm gonna let y'all just let Uh-oh. you know, see how the sausage is made. If you <laughs> may have picked up when we do have guests, ninety percent of them are women, right? And and I credit where credit is due. Lynn has said since the first episode talking about the third cheer that if we bring in another perspective it is nice to bring in bring in a perspective that isn't basically male heterosexual dude right so it's mostly been women mm-hmm. you know we try and 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 have some lgbtq guests when we can but 90% has been women and the get out episode is a great example of women having a different perspective right that neither one of us had thought of right and like i said during the episode like they made points where i was like wow i had and i thought about it a lot like like i thought about get out a lot Mm -hmm. but they had a perspective that we didn't have but thank you uh i want to say aziza because that's my cousin's name a-h-z-i-a azia thank you azia All right, let's see. We ah, curious. Okay. And this does pertain to our review tonight. All right, who's it from? It is from Ibn Suleiman. Oh, hey, Eben. 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 Hey, guys. I have a simple question I hope you can answer. Okay. As I was watching Drop Squad. Okay. Because there are people that watch the movies along with us, Vince. I know. that's It's beautiful. I noticed they were constantly reading this one comic book. Oh. point. Good catch, Evan. Purposeful. But I never got a good look to see what is the title. Did you two notice as well? If so, what comic is it they are reading? Thanks. Lynn. I did notice. I, oh, comic. I know you noticed. I know you caught it. You wouldn't be a good blurred if you didn't. <laughs> I did notice. The and comic. what was that comic, Lynn? They uh, they were reading the historic comic book. Um, I guess I, I always want to say it's from the eighties, but I guess it was the nineties, uh, right? Was it, I, I mean, I feel like it may have been the eighties. I know it's it's crazy. Uh, it was a brother man. That's right, brother man by Dawood Ayuboyle. Mm-hmm. I believe that is how you pronounce his name. I hope I got that correct. Brother Man is a historic comic book that oh how do you describe Brother Man? It's it's, it's like a, a cross. It's like the 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 greatest cross between hip hop and superheroes ever. Uh, technically, the the book that Dawu did along with his brother Guy Sims is brother man dictator of discipline dictator of discipline and it was an oversized comic Mm -hmm. book um published by big city comics big city comics (laughs) oh my god it was yeah it was early 90s Mm -hmm. uh, 1992 um and it definitely 
was superhero but satire and i certainly believe that it was purposeful yeah its placement yeah. in this film drop squad yeah yeah that's 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 real deep blurred blurred knowledge right there that mm-hmm. was a real deep blurred drop yeah, yeah. mm-hmm so that's brother man that's brother man dictator of discipline i looked real quick i think it looks like he republished it in 2008 i think he he did right like there's one and he started to put out um uh oh it actually was a new book Oh, what? what? You know how you just put it in Amazon and it pops up. So I was about to give the brother some free advertising and say, oh, go no, get no, it. No. And it's, it says volume one because it was it's a few issues. But then it says that the paperback is on sale for two hundred and fifty five dollars. Yeah, because it's out of print. Because it's out of print. Right. Yeah. 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 The time to catch that was maybe about two or three years ago when he was really pushing it and he was going to like all the different conventions. Right, right. Because it looks like this came out in 2009. Yeah. 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 Oof, yikes. Yeah. I actually had an interview. I did an interview for the Tribbles. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to get Zawu, but I was able to sit down with his brother, Guy Sims. Okay. Very cool interview. Okay. Very, okay. very dope interview. I, I have, I've had an ongoing conversation over the past two months with a friend of mine about Sun Man. Oh, okay. So Sun Man, for those of you who, who don't remember, was, was like a, a, an equivalent of he-man mm-hmm. that came out in the 80s mm-hmm. and he was black and and very sort of afro he was very afrocentric very and you had to bomb from the back of ebony and mm-hmm. and order it and and for a minute they were in the stores did, what did they ever make it to the stores well remember they made it to the stores and mattel squeezed oh, them out that's right that's right. Because yeah, Mattel yeah, went to that. the factory. Because I mean, the, the mold looked like He Man, looked like a He Man mold. Mm. And and the back and forth between the Sun Man people and Mattel was: this is an actual character. This isn't just a knockoff of He Man. And I think Mattel didn't want to look like they were squeezing out the little black toy maker. Mm. So instead, they went to the factory and leaned on the factory right. to stop making them. Wow. But but same thing, like like just sort of periodically over the years, I've tried to find a Sunman action figure. Yeah, I was gonna ask because you have a, a, a historic I, you know, look action figure collection. Sunman is is my grail right now. My my original grail was the Mago Falcon oh, boxed, mm-hmm. which I have one of those. And now I'm sort of in the mark but but Sunman, they're like three, four hundred dollars. Which, you know, trying to sell that. Hey, hey, I'm going to spend $400 on an action figure. <laughs> not, not going to go over. Right, right. That's not. That's that's not. We call that a non-starter. <laughs> but it is interesting how those 80s artifacts, mm-hmm. because they were so rare, and now many of us are old enough to collect. Yes. And other people collect mm-hmm. our stuff as usual. They the, the prices rise. So yeah, I'll add brother man to, or at least this because I have. A, I think I might have these issues. Like I know I have one or two issues of brother man. You may have it already. Yeah. So you might. So you might be good. Right. I mean, I think if I remember when they put it back out, it was definitely like on better paper. 
Right, so, right. Well, remember, it was weird because, like you said, it was oversized. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't put it with your other no. – like you couldn't fit it in your box. No, it would just be laying on top of the box. It would it would be laying on top, and you couldn't box and board it. Nope. And and oversized, it wasn't like Treasury Edition. It was probably about like the size of Ebony. Yes. Yeah. I, because the Treasury, okay, we're going we're going to come back up because the Treasury editions. Remember, you could order the special yeah. bags and boards mm-hmm. for the Treasury editions. You're right. Yeah, it was just a weird shape. Yeah. But yes, that was Brother Man. That was brother. That was Brother Man. Brother Man that was uh, featured. In the film that we are about to review. Yes, sir. Drop Squad. Alright. We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. From executive producer Spike Lee comes a film so different, so controversial, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. We get paid to sell goods to black people, period. By any means necessary, right? You know, we used to march to get away from stuff like that. Ain't y'all got no pride? Times two have changed, huh? I don't even know you anymore. Who the hell do you think you are to pass judgment on me anyway, I'm the one who's sick and tired of you acting like you're ashamed of us. I'm looking for someone from the drop squad. Ain't they them niggas who supposedly deprogrammed folks? Now, what would you need with a bunch like that? He needs to be dropped. Yo, Trevor. Yeah. Y'all moving into position. Welcome, my brother. You are number 186. From what I'm hearing, you guys are more into beatdowns than you are enlightened. We do one thing. We talk to people. This ain't the 80s, brother. It's the 90s. It's a whole lot more intense. I love you, boo. But I needed you. Y'all just the next phase. Sometimes when you get over the wall, you gotta throw a rope back. You've had my brother for two weeks. That's too long. Do you even remember those people you tried so hard to forget? You sold us out to forget. We family, right? To forget. It's a damn shame. To forget. Drop Squad, a political satire about an underground militant group that kidnaps African-Americans who have sold out their race. This film from 1994 was directed by David C. Johnson from a screenplay by Johnson and Butch Robinson and stars Eric LaSalle, Von D. Curtis Hall, Ving Rhames, and Cassie Lemons, as well as features a quick cameo by its executive producer, Spike Lee Drop Squad is Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michelle mission. Vincent, what do you have to say about Drop Squad? Drop Squad is a film that I remember having great affection for. Really? When it came out. Like, like, like I really, really enjoyed drop squad in 1994 when when it premiered and just sort of going into it Mm -hmm. i could see 
why I liked it so much. Just 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 looking at sort of the 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 bones of it, if you will. First and foremost, it is a film that that has what I used to call a great number of Mission College alumni. Mm. And what I mean by that Mission College was the fictional college in school days. Mm -hmm. And I really liked the cast of school days. And, And there were a series of films that came out in the decade after school days where you could play, spot the actor that was in school days and certainly in here we we talked about cassie lemons you have leonard thomas as xb eric payne as stokely michael ralph so you have that part of it along with that you you have you know paula kelly shows up for a second crystal fox Mm -hmm. crystal fox who was on um in the heat of the night probably spent most of the career that we would know about on the heat and night, but she's an actress that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Williams is in here. Vanessa K. Williams. I'm sorry, Vanessa. Oh, is it? No, is no, it no, no. I think, I think the singer Vanessa Williams is Vanessa K. Okay. okay. Right. Remember this okay. is Vanessa. Right, Williams. Cause she right. First. Right. Cause she was, so Vanessa Williams is in here who I, I love a lot. Speaking of fictional black colleges, you have two alumni from, um, from Hillman different world kim and i just forgot kim's name oh yeah i I, see i wasn't sure if that was her no 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 that's her charnel brown right charnel brown is in here um who is what is his name because he showed up for a lot of episodes of different world he played a a couple of different characters i'll think of his name in a moment but, but i liked him a lot too um, so I like the cast. I like just the cast around and, and then rounding out. Tico Wells is probably. Tico Wells. Tico Wells. I actually wasn't thinking of Tico Wells, but I wanted to mention Tico Wells. Tico Wells is in here for a second. Mm. And then rounding out this cast, you, you really have these three performances. You you have uh, Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. who plays Garvey, who's sort of the upshot, young, up and coming member of the drop squad right you have vondi curtis hall who is just just wonderful in everything he's in who plays the the man who started um started the the drop squad rocky Seavers, and then at the center you have eric lasalle as this man who his sister decides he needs to be dropped and by dropped, he needs to be deprogrammed. Like he's assimilation. He's assimilationist. He is an advertising exec. He has been involved in some um, advertising that is perhaps offensive. And she decides he needs to be taken care of. Direction wise, this is based on a short film that David Johnson um, wrote mm-hmm. called The Sessions. Yes. And. It builds out from that. It builds out from that. I, I I don't think his direction is anything extraordinary, but I like pieces mm. that I think you can see decisions that he made. Like 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 I love the the there there there's a scene with the black execs in this cramped room. Yeah, that you get the sense of the claustrophobia. You get About the eight sense. of them. They're like they're office. like hamsters in a cage almost. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful scene. You know, I'm a sucker for family reunions. 
and family shot. So there's a wonderful scene where Eric LaSalle's character Buford goes home mm-hmm. and and there's a family scene and, and you know all the families together. There is an actual commercial for the gospel pack of fried chicken that is the aforementioned or one of the aforementioned um offensive ads. Yes. That is you you know it's it's almost like something out of Putney Swoop. Like like how is this something that exists? Mm-hmm. But it kind of exists. Yeah. You know, it kind of exists. Um during the actual sessions, I like some of the decisions that he makes with the 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 images on the screen there's this wonderful shot of ving rames where he has red white and blue paint Mm -hmm. coming directly towards the camera that i like a lot so again i can see what 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 really kind of got me Mm -hmm. but i was a bit concerned going back into it because the 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 storyline of this film is basically about policing blackness. Mm -hmm. This is a group of self-appointed people who decide that certain black people aren't being black like they should be being black. Right. And then they're going, they kidnap them and deprogram them. Mm -hmm. And I would like to believe that since 1994, our conversations about this type of policing blackness, uh, whether we're talking about gatekeep, well, gatekeeping is people from the outside, but but all, certainly this policing of blackness mm-hmm. and who is and is not legitimately black is something that I think with the advent of something like like uh, Afropunk and, and our beloved blurred culture, like mm-hmm. we've had a lot of conversations about there is no actual codified version of blackness that's right so i was concerned about that just that plot and you see the way that johnson's script kind of moves initially like like you you, you kind of start with some real safe bets mm-hmm. like the first person that gets dropped is is a corrupt politician yes who is literally selling out black people when he gets dropped like he actually takes some money Mm -hmm. from a white man to sell out the black community right so you think all right this negro probably does get need to get snatched up right next tico what the aforementioned tico wells drug dealer fat money (laughs) fat money is out of the 90s textbook movie drug dealer right he's actually a savage in an animal <laughs> so all right all right it's all right sure i mean sure you can all right the drug dealer grab the drug dealer up sure you have a corrupt preacher not only do you have a corrupt preacher but the script kind of navigates the well why like who decides that a preacher should get dropped because it tells you that his congregation Mm-hmm. is the one who said he should get dropped that's right but then it gets a little murky there's a shaharazad ali character that i thought it was interesting that she was a person 
that the film said needed to be dealt with by the black community. Yeah. Because for those of you who don't know, Shahrazad Ali had a book called The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman back in the late 80s, early 90s. It was a bit of a phenomenon. The part of it that everyone always remembers, and they reference it in the movie, is that she says that black men have to be the kings and the head of the households, and that women are basically like children that need to be led around. And much like you do with children, sometimes you have to physically discipline them. That's right. So that was a whole Shahrazad Ali thing that people remember about you. You know, you smack a woman open hand because she's a lady when she needs to be disciplined. I found it noteworthy though, because frankly, a lot of the critics of Shahrazad Ali were other black women. Like black men, it was a little bit more mixed. Right. with our reception of this strategy so I, I i did like the fact that she was part of the the group that people said okay maybe they need to be dealt with but even still now it's getting a little murky right and then you end with eric lasalle and i think what I liked so much about the complexity of the question of should Buford be dropped is something that is different between the, 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 the short film and this. Again, this is a film that was built out of a short film. A couple of the same beats in both. I don't know if you got a chance to watch a short film or not. not. It's interesting, especially in contrast to this. But there's a moment in the short film where the Buford character, the, the, the drop squad says that they have a receipt where he bought some blue contact lenses. Mm. And, you know, he's trying to wear blue contact lenses. And, and you, you know, of course, it's the universal marker of a sellout. Like he's going after white women. And at one point, a member of the drop squad says, you need to read The Blue Aside by Toni Morrison. Have you heard of Toni Morrison? And because the Buford character in the short film is completely out of touch, like just completely, like he doesn't know who Toni Morrison is at all. Right. So again, it's 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 very kind of straightforward within this narrative. Like this is somebody completely detached. They change it in the feature film. That's right. Where they aren't, you know, he doesn't have blue contact lenses, but, but at one point, one of the Drop Squad members says, have you heard of Toni Morrison, the bluest eye? You need to read this. And he has heard of her. That's what he says, right. I don't think he says he's read the book. But he, he knows, knows who, who Toni Morrison is. is. Right. And I like how the film is very intentional with the fact that this Buford character is secure in his own blackness. Mm-hmm. And the markers that we use for blackness, whether right, rightly or wrongly, that we say, okay, well, this person is black. He hits a lot of them. Mm -hmm. He has a black girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He uh, socializes with the other black ad execs. Mm -hmm. Much like one of my favorite versions of this character, Terry, in Soul Food. He goes home. Like, nobody, like, every, like he's part of this family. Right. Like, like he's around and even the, the, the real, the, the, the real flashpoint 
of of he doesn't you know he's not there for his cousin flip flip is looking for a job and he doesn't answer the phone call when flip comes in for the job i like how the script complicates it yeah because flip hasn't had a steady job in three years he and flip have discussed this previously and he told flip you got to go and fill out an application i just can't go in there and tell them to give you a job and flip hasn't filled out the application Mm mm-hmm by the time the scene comes where flip calls up for him at the office we don't know if he's filled out the application or not but we don't know right like all we know is what we have seen and so the ultimately while i do think there is a very 90s aspect of this film Mm -hmm. of this is how to be black and this is not how to be black I was pleasantly surprised by how much the film scrutinizes the idea of the drop squad itself. Mm. Who decides that you didn't, you know, that you're going to be dropped? Who decides what is, is what works, frankly, because, you know, there's this whole interior debate among the drop squad about strategy. Yeah. And so that I ultimately landed on, I liked it. I, I still like the Drop Squad. I had not seen this film. I had not heard of this film. But in reading about the film, and I didn't read a lot before I watched it, but just in reading about what the movie was about, I said, oh, this sounds interesting. It sounds like an interesting concept. And I can see where this story would intrigue someone like Spike Lee enough to lend his expertise, his, you know, overseeing eye and, and, um, thus the, 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 the imprinting of 40 acres and a mule mm-hmm. on the work. I can see that because this is a film, this type of satire is like right in his wheelhouse, you know, for Spike Lee. So, all of that I find very intriguing. I agree with you that the cast is like almost a who's who of 90s black Hollywood and, mm-hmm. and Bondi Curtis Hall, Bing Rames, really, really Bing Rames, let's face it, before he becomes Bing Rames, but sure. he's right in the midst of that. Cassie Lemons and Eric LaSalle, whose name is ringing out at this time, primarily because of some movie roles, but primarily because of at the time, I believe he's either currently on or, you know, um, not long after leaving ER mm-hmm. on NBC. So these are these are names that that ring out that, you know, you know, along with all of the other, you know. Uh, faces that familiar faces from black movies over the last 10 20 years at that at this point so that definitely like you know grabs your attention but i think that in building out this story from a short film and mind you i didn't see the short story i didn't didn't you see the the short film but in building this out I think that David C. Johnson as the director and one of the writers 
they leave a couple of important elements out that would have helped to give the sh- the movie a just a, a hint of a more of a narrative flow. It definitely is a film that, especially in the beginning, it almost reads like you know, it almost reads like Hollywood Shuffle because it's mm-hmm. just like nothing, almost like just skits. Like you know, the, you're you're going to this one cell and there's a, a skit. You go into this another cell and there's a skit where they're where they're literally walking the politician guy around you know by a leash and the other one the other place they they the 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 drug dealer they they knock him out shove him into a van and then they tie a tie him up with duct tape and a shoe in his mouth um and and all of these skits like i think the tone is i understand that it's a satire so satire does give the earmark of comedy with a little bit of a serious tone but i don't think that i don't think that david johnson as a director or as a writer really nails the tone right and i think it just feels mixed not sure whether i'm supposed to be laughing at some certain things or i'm actually supposed to be like hmm at some things and it and the movie is not helping me uh make that the, the movie's not making that decision for me i don't think mm-hmm. and maybe the movie's not doesn't have to but i think the movie is supposed to lead you one way or the other or mm-hmm. should and i don't i don't feel like this does i feel like like you said there's this war that's going on in the in the midst of in amongst the the drop squad about you know we maybe need to change our ways because we're not reaching, you know, anybody anymore. It would have been nice to maybe see products of what the old ways right. gave you. Right. Or, or at least maybe see footage of that, you right. know, um, because you don't have anything to to go against. You know, we, you're saying it, it used to work. We don't know. We mm-hmm. don't we don't see no any products of it. Uh, Von D. Curtis Hall, who it's a while before, even though he's like, you know, number one on the call sheets is a while before he shows up in the film. I honestly think that he is and he's an actor I enjoy. He doesn't show up a lot. Mm-hmm. He's he's barely in the movie. Um, yet we're meant to be invested in this struggle and this tension that he's feeling and running the draft squad. And I don't think it reads at all. There's a scene where he goes and sees like some friend who apparently one runs a business that just got hit, had everything stolen out of the right. business. How do we know? Because it looks like everybody's the, the windows are broken. There's nothing in, in the place. What type of business does he, does he run? We don't know. We're never told. we only know that he came up the, Bonnie Curtis Hall character came up to talk to him. Didn't even know about the robbery. It's like, oh man, look like they hit you hard. Well, let me bend your ear mm-hmm. right now. Like, this seems a little inconsiderate about you know this tension that that's going on. This guy now through the the words and the conversation we learn has a connection to the past of Drop Squad. Do we? Is it ever really fleshed out? We don't know. So why should we even care about? We're not asked to care about what happened to a store because they don't do anything to really illustrate it or tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. And we don't care about him because he comes in, says says a couple of words, and then he's gone. He's gone from the movie. He mm-hmm. never returns to the film at all. 
So I think we, it, it just would have been nice to have that as a, like a balancing act. Um, without that, I have to judge what the film does give me. And honestly, a lot of this film, I was bored. Uh, I understood what they were going for. I understood, but it just did not hit home for me at all. And then honestly, having Cassie Lemon show up, I was like, Cassie Lemon, can you show this dude how to work, a, like direct a film? You know, um, now it's, it's three years from now before she does Eve's Bayou. So, mm. you know, I want to think that she's studying what to do and what not to do by being on in this film where she doesn't do a lot either. There are so many characters in the middle, in the beginning with the, the councilman and the preacher. And then we spend an inordinate time with the, with the drug dealer, as well as with Eric LaSalle's character before about halfway or maybe a little bit more than halfway from the film before we really settle in on let's interrogate Mm -hmm. eric lasalle's situation and everybody else kind of like just falls to the wayside except the one character the drug dealer who were asked to be invested in his murder on the middle in the street which happens later and honestly like you said he comes off as such a a jerk in, in in this movie, I mean, one you kind of want to feel for him because they did kip him, kidnap him off the street, but he is straight up being a jerk. He's being extremely disrespectful to Vanessa Williams. We're like, okay, but then he gets murdered in the street because he's a drug dealer because he's living his life in the street. We know this is story as old as time. This is can be a byproduct of living that life. Mm-hmm. And we're asked to care about this because Von D. Curtis Hall didn't get an opportunity to sit down and talk to him. And maybe he would have made a difference if he talked to him. Right. Well, we didn't see him talk to anybody else either. So does this mean that something's going to happen to them too? We only see him really sit down and talk to Eric LaSalle's character near the end of the film. And to be honest, we're not even really given outside of no we're not shown that that really has any effect on eric lasalle's character he quits it's uh, we're not shown we're not shown we're told it sure at this very 70s black exploitation freeze frame ending of the film where where body curtis hall's character and bing rain's character walk off into the sunset i don't know this butch casting a sundance kid Mm -hmm. now i don't know i just think this it's 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 a mixed bag of things that never come together and i honestly was very very i i just was not entertained at all watching this movie and it's a shame because like i said i think it's a great concept yeah yeah i disagree because i really I really was invested in Buford's journey. And 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 small nitpick. His name is Bruford. Bruford. Just to make it even right, more right. harder Bruford. to say. I think I almost feel like 
I agree with you about the preacher and the drug dealer. And, you, you know, like I almost wish the film would have just stayed with Buford. Right. Like just stayed with him. Because I really do think that this was a film whose intention was just as much about, again, those who got dropped Mm -hmm. as the philosophy of the drop squad. Right. To your point, I would argue that Vonnie Curtis Hall, which you see as sleepwalking, I read as weariness. Okay. And and I think the, 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 the text laid out that he's been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's got these young people under him or younger people mm-hmm. that maybe it's time to turn the reins over to them. Right. I also agree. And I thought about, I mean, frankly, you're, you're, we're talking about what do we see work and not work. Even if you just go by the fates of everyone from, from the, the, the text at the end, mm-hmm. it didn't work on any of them. Like, like, right. you know, the one woman went off to teach at an Ivy league school. And then the one dude is on the run cause he stole money. Mm-hmm. And so it really is just Bruford who has sort of a change of heart and, you know, he ends up quitting his job. And I really like that last scene with him and his sister. Where he basically, you know, she says, uh, basically, I wanted you to come back. And he says to her, I, I never went anywhere. That's a good scene. The, unfortunately, that's not the last scene of the movie. It's not meant the last scene with Buford. Mm-hmm. So that, again, retroactively, you do get the sense that. I don't want to say it was like a bait and switch. But but you know the way the film comes on and and they have the the people at at the at the radio at the talk show talking about the drop squad like you get the sense that the drop squad are supposed to be almost these almost like like a Robin Hood Robin Hood of of the community mm-hmm. going and getting these people and bringing them back home. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a through line where they are being scrutinized and part of the problem with the drop squad in this film is that they're at this period of transition. And to your point, we, as the viewer, we are taking, it is asking us to take them at face value that the drop squad has worked in the past. Right. And it's sort of like the shark biting the tank at the end of jaws. It depends on how much goodwill you have Mm -hmm. for the film whether or not you go along with it okay tanks don't explode like that or you say tanks don't explode like that and i've not really been invested the whole time so i was invested enough Uh, again especially because i just think it's a really fascinating subject and 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 it is i just but it's not i don't think he he gets it over i think like to your point even like that tension between their old ways and their new ways right the film actually ends with bondy curtis hall doing like a little bit of investigative work into bruford's past right bringing his cousin to him and and him and his cousin kind of like having uh, a one-on-one a bit 
that starts to turn the tide a little bit. And that's interesting. And what's interesting about that is because it shows that perhaps the unfortunate thing is that it waits all the way right to the the end. Yeah. But it shows that perhaps what Bondi's character has been saying the whole film is the right path. If it it can work, if you do do the footwork, he mentions how you know they didn't do the footwork right. to find out about the story about the about the cousin in detail. Right. And once that is brought to light, then they they have a road an inroad to to Eric LaSalle's character. That seems very cool. That seems pretty dope, especially because he does that in all the other people who have been coming at him tooth and nail throughout the whole film, you know, splashing water in his face, you know, slapping him around, getting, just getting all up in his grill. Um, they are there to witness. Oh, right. What happens? But then that is deflated by the closing scene where Bondi Curtis Hall says to Ving Rhames, you know what? Maybe you're right, and right. It's your, your way is the right way, and I'm going to be stepping out. Well, the, Ving Rhames has been leading the chorus of the way that has not worked right. for the entire film. Well, I, I think that was a callback to him being him being um, Rocky, Bondi Curtis Hall's character, so disconnected mm-hmm. that he again never spoke to Tico Wells' character at all, and 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 the implication is if he had talked to him, then maybe it would have turned out different. And right, but and, and that is then illustrated when he sits down with Eric Lasalle. But I think Bruford, I think him saying I need to step aside was him acknowledging I'm basically old and tired. And Garvey says. Let's talk. And the last, last, so you know, I what I inferred was that Garvey was going to try and and integrate Rocky's way into his youth and vigor. Like I'm gonna put on some red, white, and, and blue paint and go and talk to people in the big earrings. <laughs> but again, there is a level of work that you have to do as the audience and 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 it either either you're invested in it or you're not i i think i i don't think this is a case of 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 we're trying to decide what the color blue is i i do think this is a case of how much did you bring how much has the film gotten you invested by the end because as you said like you do have to do a little bit of work mm-hmm. and either you want to do it or not like either you again the tank doesn't blow up when a shark bites it like that right either you've loved everything about jaws the past two hours so you say f it i'll go along with it this is very exciting or you say the shark looks fake i don't like these white dudes sitting on the boat just talking crazy this is boring and then the tank don't even work like that. So, there you go. Oh, well, there you go. What did you think of the uh, Gospel Pack commercial? <laughs> Again, it, it made me think of the best parts of Putney Swoop with the satirical 
commercials and 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 with the bite tone actually really liked it like like to me you want to talk about just a pop like that popped for me like that was a real pop and and to my point about the complexity of of bruford's character i love the fact that he took it home and he was proud of it and he wanted to show his family but he was so like like he's so deep into this world it didn't dawn on him how crazy this is yeah so i yeah i like they do and, and you i mean it, it, it's funny it's a yeah. funny bit you know and yes i did like that you know he got his comeuppance as, as you will right after it <laughs> um so i thought that was kind of cool his cousin wanted to know can you can you substitute the potatoes with coleslaw yeah because if you can, then this is a winner, man. This is a I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all in. I'm all for it. Yeah. His, see, that was a fun... Like, when he goes home... Yeah, that, yeah. That, those couple of scenes, I enjoyed. Yeah. I enjoyed. They were funny. They were funny. But, yeah. So and the malt liquor ad was not far off at all from malt liquor ads. Yeah... Yeah, unfortunately right the, 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 it's not the, the the sad thing is is you hope that on the other end of the real ads that we have all seen yeah at nauseum in our you know neighborhoods there is not a black guy that is putting it together but that was like that was always the debate like i remember like i remember this in the 90s where people were sort of who is putting this stuff together and there was this aspect of black people working at these companies putting together the ads and it was like like I really enjoyed the debate among the black execs about the ethics of the malt liquor ad like just of malt liquor ads like like it was this whole argument about oh you can't advertise you're advertising this poison to to black people with with the malt liquor and he's like that's who drinks 40s yeah see but the argument wasn't that you're advertising to them it was how you were advertising to them but you know the lyrics the the lyrics of the rap song look man imagery of the woman straddling the beer bottle is it effective is it catchy that's does it sell that that should not be the the deciding factor all the time unless and especially if you're a black person unless you should be you're more an ad exec that. and it's your job to sell stuff to people there's a, and the, you've done market research if you and you negroes like things that rhyme no no and no. dancing yeah but but you don't have to call one as far as the rhymes you don't have to call the woman a hoe in your commercial that's the music that you people you like don't that doesn't mean that you that's the thing but the argument is but see, that you but, don't want but, a black person but, but see but but but, see but what this is the debate though it's not a debate it is 100 a debate yes yes it is 100 like you don't like it 
but it's one like don't act like no i mean this in the conversations that people have been having since the 90s about 40s and hip-hop and black people working at these companies this is the exact conversation he being the person that put together that ad definitely means that he is the person that if if the drop squad was going to drop anybody he was the person that looked like you need to get dropped right for doing that but so they drop him and now he's quit and now one of the other ad execs is doing the 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 40 and gospel chicken pack that they put together and but maybe but maybe they're introducing a little bit more nuance there's nothing wrong with (laughs) some some nuance to the 40 and the gospel pack of chicken well in regards to the 40 there's nothing wrong with you i mean there's an argument to be made whether or not you have to have a sexy woman in your ad to sell beer, but you don't have to have the the sexy woman straddling, straddling. the beer bottle. That's 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 the step too far. Her straddling the bottle. Well, yeah, that's like that's phallic imagery. Yeah, yes, and who's who ever heard of them using phallic imagery in advertising? I'm just saying. I'm just saying that it doesn't mean that you need to have it. I'm, so a black executive or any executive might say, okay, I understand what we're going for with this. Let's just come up with some different imagery. To But I'm the boss the and, and I think this works. Why are we coming up with different imagery if this is what works? Well, but, I, but you see what I'm saying now. I see what you're like, saying. Like I do think one of the things that I enjoyed about the film was that aspect of it i know there i, I saw a, I, I saw so i think donald bogle may have said it where he thought that maybe parts of bamboozled i feel i feel pulled from or, or was inspired by this mm-hmm. but i do think bamboozled hands is it much better i mean of course bamboozled hands is it much course. better right i mean my god it's spike lee doing bamboozled mm-hmm. like angry spike lee is the best spike lee mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but even in bamboozled and i this is something that if you talk about listening to old episodes i said it when we did it the episode this the episode on bamboozled i don't i think spike lee soft pedals the argument that this is what people like right like it's offensive and we don't like it and you could probably do something different and everything that everyone says about this what will the market bear and you and i as people who were young men in the 90s and ingested probably more 40s than we should have i'm I'm gonna speak for myself i won't speak for you i don't recall one conversation among my peers where i said you know i think i'm going to i I think i'm I'm not going to enjoy the saint ides because of the way that the advertising objectifies women I think I'll have another 40 ounce. Maybe I'll have some OE because their ads are much more respectful of African-American women. Speaking of that, (laughs) quick aside, I think I may have shared this years ago. Um, Back in my rapper days, I was in the studio with with uh, my my boys and we had like a bunch of a bunch of guys were in the studio with us and we were just shooting the shooting the shit and everybody's drinking 40s right mm-hmm. it was the early days of video camera so mm-hmm. we were like playing around with the video camera and we noticed everybody had crushed their 40s right mm-hmm. so in front of the in front of the camera everybody like just put down the empty beer mm-hmm. beer bottle 
St. Ives. Mm-hmm. My man put, comes up. O.E. O.E. My man, mm-hmm. you know, Miller Lite. Mm-hmm. I put mine down. White Mountain Cooler. Yeah, that tr- <laughs> that tracks. It's very on brand. It's very on brand. <laughs> and it was a 40. Yeah, of, a white Mountain Cooler. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very on brand. Look, man, I, I know I've said it before. I actually hated 40s. <laughs> I Yeah, I'm not a... I hated 40s. I, I don't like malt liquor. Because uh, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind a good beer. Right. Yeah, but... yeah. malt liquor is disgusting. I mean, it's just cheap and it got you drunk real fast. All right. And you get a bunch of it. <laughs> so, Vincent. Yes. Would you recommend that people watch Drop Squad? I would. I would recommend that people watch Drop Squad. I think it is an example of early 90s black cinema. It's a good example of early 90s black cinema, um, more along the independent route. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, I don't think there's any argument between us about the the, the lack of polish, but I find that charming. And I, I kind of like the fact that you have all these actors kind of working with this small budget doing this thing. And again, I was really impressed on this afternoon in September of 2021, how nuanced the conversation about the concept of the drop squad was Mm -hmm. in 1994 that I know I completely missed in 1994 because in 1994, I was very much grabbed these shuffling dancing useless negroes and take them in a warehouse and shove some malcolm x down their throat that's what they need Mm -hmm. so i would well it may come as a surprise to you Mm -hmm. that i would recommend people watch i am am surprised why (laughs) because while I myself did not enjoy the film, I do, like I said, believe that this is an interesting concept. I like the idea of the movie, mm-hmm. right? And while I like fewer bits in it than you, mm-hmm. to the degree that I myself don't like the film, I could, that's me. This is one of those films that. I think it really is just a matter of does it speak to me? Mm -hmm. No, but I could see it speaking to other people. I could see people watching this film and being able to pull a lot of stuff from this film. They may think it's crazy funny. They may think it's like, Ooh, this is really really deep. Mm -hmm. Or they may be somewhere in the middle. It's like, you know, like, you know, ha ha, you know, (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) you sound like you were just in a sword fight with some french (laughs) guards of the king and they greatly underestimated your skill with a sword (laughs) that's what that laugh sounded like is this the best you have (laughs) you about to jump on a table not right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would I would recommend to see people see the film. I think people might be able to pull something out of it. Okay, you know, and, and have a good time. All right, all right. 
All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our review of Drop Squad. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week, I invite you all to email us all of your thoughts, concerns, all of your ideas and what hoozles and what have yous to michellemission at gmail.com m-i-c-h-e-a-u-x-m-i-s-s-i-o-n michellemission.com two men one podcast every black film ever made go to michellemission.com and hit swag where you can check out all of the cool designs that we have for your wearing pleasure by way of our good friends at t public the michelle mission is proudly adorned on all your social media instagram facebook twitter subscribe on youtube at me show mission which is a proud member of the podglomerate curated podcast for your listening pleasure thepodglomerate.com they make podcasts work and if you really want to help our show ladies and gentlemen if you can't hit it's swag then wherever you listen to our show wherever you find our lovely podcast please feel free to give us a five-star rating and a review because that really goes a long way to helping people find our show we would appreciate it a great deal next week vince is my turn mm-hmm. and now that we are out of the summer it is time for me to dig back into the crates all right and i like digging into the crates i enjoy it a great deal and i I dug deep all right i went far back how far back i went back to a time when my mother was not here okay to the year of 1935 oh here we go here we go i knew that we are long overdue to return to the works of our namesake all right oscar michelle so we will be reviewing next week from 1990 1935 oscar michelle's murder in harlem murder in harlem hey Stop that. <laughs> I feel like that'll be in line. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Vince. I thought your keys were piano keys. They were actually just your teeth. Um, <laughs> yes, Murder in Harlem from 1935, ladies and gentlemen, next week here on the Michelle Mission. All right. Looking forward to it. Until then, please be safe. And if you haven't already, get vaccinated. Here it is. Full stop. The Michelle Mission believes in science. <laughs> yes. Um, and we want to do live events, and we can't because you, 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 you <sighs> don't even. Uh, d- d- I probably shouldn't say this on the mic. Our, 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 is, is our stuff? Our, our stuff is 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 falling apart, isn't it? What our live stuff is like. They, yeah, yeah, our stuff is yeah, like it's, yeah. We had a couple of things planned. We right. can't do them it's now. Like officially dead, I would say. I guess it's officially dead. Yeah, I was holding out. Yeah, Damn. just think about what you proposed that we do. Oh, you, you know that's in. you know that's the only thing I wanted. I know. <laughs> and you know the first thing that the first thing I'm gonna get back is like, yeah, man. I come on, man. Look, I'm gonna need y'all. To go ahead and take care of all this because we have not had I mean we might as well talk about it now. Go ahead. We've not had a Halloween showing in what two years? Two years. 
Two years. We had one all planned up. I just deleted it from our event calendar on the website. We had it all planned up. I'm, I don't care. I'm going to tell y'all. We were going to be screening a scary movie. So it was going to be a horror comedy because we wanted to just have a great time. We're going to have a good time. You know, I, it's going to be good to see people. I had talked to Summer. Remember right, one time she made a drinks. drink? She yeah. was going to make a drink for it. Yeah. I mean, the whole nine, man. Scary movie is a great movie to watch in a crowd. Like it really was. You know what? You know what? We're vaccinated. Maybe we <laughs> just maybe we, we just, just have a screen. Just have a just. I have, got a big TV. Just have a big TV and watch scary movies. Watch here. scary movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's what we're gonna do. That's that's what we. We're gonna do. invite some friends and we're watch, watch scary, scary movies. Movie. Well, that's not nice. Someone, it's, it's not nice. Nice to say we can't do it and missionaries can't come. Well, maybe some of the mission. Maybe some local missionaries local might missionaries be able to come. come. All right. All right. Yeah, get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Wash your hands. Yes. Wear your mask. Yes. Six feet. Yes. Six feet or more. Or more. I'm a fan of or more. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one part of the plagues that has worked out for me. I ain't never like people up on me. So, mm-hmm. all right, ladies. All right. Until next week, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again.